Have you ever experienced church hurt? You know, where you are part of a church and something goes haywire. Maybe you get burned out from volunteering. Maybe a pastor does something and it really breaks your heart. Maybe some relationships go sideways and you experience this church hurt and you're like, how do I recover from this? I loved church, but now I don't want anything to do with church. Or the same thing with regular relationships, maybe a marriage that went bad or a friendship that went bad or a boss that was crazy or whatever. And, and these things happen that you didn't want them to happen and you walk away and you're the one feeling like you have baggage now. And you're like, great, thanks life, this sucks. <laughs> well, the good news is you can recover from these things. And today's episode, I'm gonna share with you some really simple steps, a really simple process that is actually fairly natural that you can go through to heal your heart and your mind. Because the truth be told, those emotions and feelings of I want nothing to do with you because you hurt me, is actually normal and how God built us. It's just not where we're designed to live. If you live there, you end up with baggage. If you heal from it, you end up wiser and healthier and not stuck with baggage. So we're gonna go through that in today's episode. I want this to be practical, very helpful, very encouraging. And for those of you who feel like your hearts are a little blistered, I think this will feel like some soothing balm to calm your heart and give you hope. All right, let's jump in. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. Okay, now before I dive into today's juicy, wonderful, helpful episode, uh, if you have ever wanted to start a podcast, I have actually a free gift for you down in the show notes. It's a free gift. It's a seven-step checklist of the essentials for getting your podcast started. And if you're a DIY person and you just need a boost, there you go. That's a free gift in the comments um, or in the show notes. And then, But if you're like, hey, I really actually want someone to walk with me. I don't want to figure it out on my own. I actually am hosting a coaching mastermind. This is I've done it before. I've trained a bunch of podcasters, and I actually really love coaching new podcasters. I'm very passionate about helping people get their message into the world. I'm starting my next round in September, and um, I help them get their show up in 10 weeks, and I take you by the hand and show you how to grow it, how to monetize it, and how to really create a whole business out of it, really, but I also show you how to do it at a pace that you can do that fits within your life so your podcast is a blessing and not a burden. So I also teach you actually how to do it on a budget. And so lots of advantages to my mastermind. And once you graduate, I have a podcast network that uh, students can join if they want to, to continue at a slower pace of learning, but to continue to have community and um, being a part of a network also looks more professional as a podcast. And so lots of benefits. So if you're interested in that, um, in the mastermind, you can email me at javawithjenpodcast at gmail.com um, and I'll th- throw my email in the show notes as well or you can find me on instagram and shoot me a dm my handle on instagram is java with jen okay so there's that let's jump in to this episode or maybe you've gone through a relationship maybe a marriage descended your husband just left you um someone cheated on you a friendship betrayed you uh, a boss is toxic and controlling whatever it is 
if you've gone through something really painful and difficult, you are probably, if you're human, going to experience the following emotions that are ones of wanting to have nothing to do with those kinds of people or that kind of environment. Um, Say it's church hurt, you may find yourself being like, I don't even wanna go to church. I don't wanna serve at church. I don't wanna do anything at church. But then you wrestle because you're like, well, I know that church itself isn't bad, but now I have all these emotions and like resistance in my heart where it feels like it's unsafe. What do I do? Or I know that husbands in general are not bad. It's God's design. But now I don't trust men because I was betrayed by a man, you know, or whatever it may be. I want you to understand that having those thoughts and feelings are actually very normal and it's part of how God designed you. Your body and your brain and your soul are all built ultimately to survive. And so your brain is always looking for maps in in life. So for example, the path that you drive to work, it becomes where it's autopilot and you don't even have to think about it because you've done it so many times. Well, your brain built a map in your head that says, okay, I know this is the safest way to get to work. And you build a point one to point two pathway in your brain to that. Or that's why you can walk around your living room in the dark at night when the lights are all turned off because your brain has a map of where all the furniture is so that you can avoid tripping on something, right? And so your brain wants to build a map because a map tells your brain, hey, I know how to safely navigate the world around me. And so that's what your brain is trying to do whenever you experience something that hurts you, whether it's in an ongoing low-key way that causes burnout or if it's in a traumatizing sudden way, your brain is trying to help you by building a map saying, hey, this is unsafe. Don't go back there. Okay, so if you have gone through some kind of hurt, that is what you're experiencing when you find yourself wanting to have nothing to do with those things. Now, we know when we walk through something hard that... We don't want to live in that space of feeling traumatized or triggered or like now I have baggage or now I'm suspicious of people, right? It's one thing to live in that space for a moment in order to survive. It is another thing to live in that space continually because that is where it actually begins to deteriorate your well-being and your mental health and your relational health. That's called dealing with your baggage, right? And so part of dealing with our baggage means when we go through something hard, we actually need to take the time and create the space for us to process it and to heal from it. And depending how hard or how heavy the pain and the injury was, will determine how long the healing journey may be, right? And so I was reading the other day in Matthew 13, and the Lord showed me um, this, the parable of the sower, And when Jesus was explaining it to the disciples, I felt like it just gave me so much insight about the importance of protecting the condition of our heart and how to heal our hearts. So in Matthew 13, verse 11, he's talking to the disciples and they asked about the parable, the seed and the sower, which is the parable of like the seed that's sown on the different kind of soil. And you have one that was sown on good soil. You have one that was sown on rocky soil, one on shallow soil, and one on the footpath. I don't want to read the whole thing because it's kind of lengthy, but you can find it in Matthew 13. Anyways, so in it, he says in verse 12, actually, there's a phrase where he says, whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, what I want to highlight in this passage 
this little verse right here. It's setting us up to recognize mindset. Whoever has will be given more. Okay, so if I have an attitude of abundance, of like, hey, there is no shortage of good people in this world. There is no shortage of good churches in this world. There is no shortage of fill in the blank. I'm grateful. I have a thankful attitude. When I live with a thankful attitude or from an abundance mindset, it says he will have an abundance. So I live in whatever the reality of my head in my mind is, right? And then it says whoever does not have even if you live with a frame of mind like, oh, I never have enough money. I don't have enough friends. Oh, men are always going to do this or women are always going to do this. Like girlfriends are just drama and churches just hurt you, blah, blah, blah. If that is your perspective, then it says even what he has will be taken from him. Now, I know oftentimes we think this is speaking practically like if you have money in your hands, then more will be given to you. But it doesn't make sense that way. It makes more sense if you look at it as a mindset. If my mindset is what I don't have, then even what I have will be taken. Meaning if I have a negative, pessimistic perspective of life, then even when blessings are right in front of me, I won't experience those blessings because all I see is what I don't have, right? And so he's kind of setting us up with an awareness of like, hey, you need to be aware of your mindset. The way you look at the world is how you're going to receive the world. Another way I heard it said was, you will see what you are prepared to see. If I have an abundance mindset, an abundance attitude, and realize I serve the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, in fact, I realized even when our, our house flooded, the way the Lord instructed me to walk my kids through that when we lost everything was to look for what God was doing. He taught me, hey, you need to have an abundance mindset. And I kid you not, every time I prayed from the place of thanksgiving and honoring what God had done for us, we saw miracles within moments. And like when I would take the time to say, okay, Lord, thank you for all that you did. Now this is what I need you to do. I would see miracles and breakthroughs so fast. And so... But when I prayed from a place of panic and a place of desperation and I don't have and I'm suffering and woe is me, I, I, it was like crickets. I, I didn't see hardly anything come of those prayers. And so he's setting us up here where he's saying, listen, part of the condition of your heart and how you receive the word, because that's the parable he's going into, is about your mindset. And if you have an abundance perspective or a poverty scarcity mindset, okay? So that's the foundation we're going to build on. And then he goes on and he talks about, he said, this is why I speak to them in parables, to the people in parables, because though seeing, they do not see, though hearing, they do not understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy, you'll be ever hearing, never understanding, ever seeing, never perceiving. And this is where he says here, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. So I actually resonated with that word calloused when I was reading it because when I've gone through some really painful relationships and painful situations, I noticed that it was harder for me to receive revelation from the word. And maybe I'm the only one, but I feel like it's pretty consistent people I've spoken with that when we're going through hard times, they often say, God's not talking, or I can't hear from the Lord, or, or, or the word just feels neutral to me. And I think it has to do with this calloused heart dynamic, that when we have a calloused heart, and it says here, their heart has become calloused, meaning it's a process of becoming. And so my question then to the Lord, I said, Lord, how does someone's heart become calloused? So I did a little reading and studying, and I did a little research on calluses. It was very interesting. It said a callus forms 
when the skin or tissue has been injured or is undergoing constant friction and it produces a callus to protect itself. And I was like, well, God, that'll preach. That's life right there. When we go through hard times, sometimes in order to protect our hearts, if our heart is feeling like it's constantly being violated or being mistreated or mishandled, we'll develop a hardness of heart in order to protect our heart, right? And that is, on a very fundamental level, a survival instinct because your heart is alive. Your heart produces emotions which are energy and chemicals that move through your body. And those toxic chemicals from negative emotions actually harm the body. And so we learn to guard our hearts and protect our hearts or harden our hearts so that our body is not constantly being bombarded with toxic chemicals and emotional energy that taxes us, right? So it's all a survival process. But we realize God didn't design us to live in survival. Living in a survival space is the same thing as living in a scarcity mindset. We are not meant to live there. Survival says, I'm barely going to make it. I, they don't, it. We don't think in abundance when we're thinking in survival. And so God doesn't want us to live in that place. But when we're living in a place of survival, our hearts will become callous. And when they become callous, it is harder to receive the word and get revelation or to hear from the Holy Spirit. I was, as I was reading about this parable, there was the portion, you know, there's the four different paths. It says, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand, it's the evil one that comes to snatch away what was sown in the heart. This is the seed that was sown along the path. Okay, the footpath. The second one is the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution come because of the word, he falls away. And that's a whole nother message. But this third one is the one I want you to pay attention to. The one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it out, making it unfruitful. And so I feel like when we have a calloused heart, we very much fall into this category of the seed that's sown on the thorny path. The, the concerns of this world choke out the words. The thorny soil is what can happen to our hearts when, when our hearts are callous, we can become like the thorny soil condition of our heart where the word is trying to go in, but it gets choked out. So then the question is, and I began to process with the Lord, okay, Lord, if my heart has become callous or someone's heart has become callous, what do we do about it? So in my research about the calluses, it actually said that there's a process to healing, right? And we're going to go through this. These are the, these are the application steps. Okay. So a callous heart is caused by friction and injury. Now, in life, we can't always avoid injury. Friction or an environment that's constantly affecting us, most times we can avoid that or we can create some barriers and boundaries to protect ourselves. But what the, the research told me is that a callus will oftentimes take care of itself when you simply remove it from the environment where the friction is causing the injury. That might mean you're in a relationship with someone who's constantly verbally accosting you. That might mean you need to remove yourself from that relationship. Now, that can be difficult if they're more long-standing relationships like a marriage or maybe it's your boss and you're like, I can't go get another job. Here's what I can tell you. We have a responsibility before the Lord for the condition of our heart. 
We're not responsible for all these people. What we're responsible for is the condition of our heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else, for out of it flow all the issues of life. And I've, I've come to learn in my own journey, walking through some really toxic relationships, how responsible I must be to guard my heart. I've been in a relationship that was very abusive for many, many, many years. And, and it began to impact and affect my heart towards the Lord because I thought the Lord had called me into this relationship. And I realized I have a responsibility first to my heart and to the Lord and my heart to the Lord before I do to any person or any relationship. And so when you're in a situation that's causing friction, maybe you're volunteering at church and they just keep asking, keep asking, keep asking. Because as long as you say yes, they're going to keep asking, right? So that friction might be that you don't have boundaries, that you are not saying no when you need to be saying no, that you're not saying, you know what, I'm available once a month. And so that friction is what you need to remove from your life because it's the friction, the constant violation of the heart that is causing your heart to become callous. Step one, and there's just three steps, okay? They all start with an S. The first is becoming self-aware. The second is becoming stop the friction. And the third is to sit with God, okay? So first is self-awareness. When you need to heal from a calloused heart or from an injury or from burnout or whatever, firstly, you need to identify the callous. Where is your heart and why is it hurting? Okay, you have to sit with yourself. If you don't sit with yourself and ask yourself some hard questions, you're not gonna heal. Part of healing is you must sit with yourself and know yourself. If I'm always hiding and staying so busy that I'm never getting in touch with where my heart is, How can God truly meet me where I am? How can I truly know God in that place unless I sit and make time for this? So when I'm doing this, I look at my life first and I go, where are the areas in my life where I feel resistance pop up in my heart or I feel pain pop up in my heart or I feel my defenses go up? Um, Or what are those people or situations where I find negative feelings come up right away? So sit down and maybe write down. It doesn't, it may be one or two. It's not like it has to be a whole list. But let's say that's your marriage or let's say that's your relationship to church. In fact, a friend contacted me and I'm just going to use her example. She went through a season where she was serving at church a whole lot. And now she feels very taken advantage of and burned out. And so they've decided to leave their church. And she was just saying, honestly, I don't even want to go to church. Like, I just feel so taken advantage of. And so what I would do if I was her is I would sit, I would sit down and say, okay, what are the things I'm feeling? What is the callous in my heart? Where is it that I feel resistance? Write down, I don't feel safe at church or I don't feel safe volunteering at church because I felt taken advantage of. That's the callous, right? And so once you identify that source of pain, that thing that hurts you, then you ask yourself, What lies or beliefs am I telling myself that is aggravating this pain? And so for her, it might be, it's not safe to volunteer at church because I'm going to get taken advantage of. Or at church, they don't really care about you. They just care about what you can do for them Um, or whatever it might be. There might be a a number of beliefs that have developed from the experience, right? So you need to write those things down. And then when you write them down, Ask yourself, how can I frame this in a way that's more true of life? 
God is the one who asks us to be in church, right? Because it's supposed to be good for us. It's a family, right? There's there's drama in family. There's friction in family. We have to address issues in family too, right? And so church is no different. We're going to have to address things. So ask yourself, how can I frame this in a way that doesn't hurt my heart? And so realizing like when I make a blanket statement, say all church leaders just want to take advantage of you. Well, I can recognize, you know, that's not true. Not all church leaders are like that. And Yes, do they want you to serve? Absolutely. But a lot of really great church leaders don't want you to be hurt in the process. In fact, her very own church leaders probably didn't know she was struggling and wouldn't have wanted her to burn herself out. No good person does. And so asking yourself, what truth can I put in here? There's one situation for myself, I've shared it on here before, where I had been in a text group thread and long story short, I asked a question. My question was ignored. One of the people initiated that conversation with someone else in the group text and then they started addressing it between themselves and the group text and I felt very overlooked and ignored and I ended up going to the bathroom and crying and I was like generally this is unnecessary like you're crying over something that's really dumb but instead of me judging myself and saying Jen get it together you're being dumb I took the opportunity I said you know what there's pain here obviously I'm crying. There's a button that's been pushed and I need to know what is underneath that button. And so I asked myself, generally, what lie are you believing right now that's causing you this pain? And I can, and we can call those things lies because lies bring death. Truth brings life, right? So if you're feeling pain, there's most likely a lie that's underneath that pain. So I asked myself, what lie am I believing? And I realized there's a belief in my heart that generally your voice doesn't matter and people don't value your voice, and you're just insignificant, or whatever it was. And so I identified those lies, and I was like, oh, that's what's actually bothering me. And so I said, generally, what's the truth? Or even Holy Spirit, what's the truth? And the Holy Spirit was able to speak a truth to me that counteracted that lie. Generally, your voice matters. Your voice matters. And it was that simple. And so I was able to go back in with the truth and recognize, you know what, that person was trying to help that person take initiative in the group per the relationships, you know, so it was actually a good gesture. It just wasn't delivered well. And so I was able to heal my heart of that little tiny little injury and come out from it with the truth and frame things in my mind better. So realize like as you're identifying the callus and this process of identifying the beliefs and the stories you're telling yourself is important because when you walk through something, this is why you can have maybe two different people walk through the same painful experience and one of them can be totally injured by it and one of them can grow from it. And the difference is the story they tell themselves along the process. So if I tell myself when I go through church hurt, All churches want to do is take advantage of you. That is a harmful message to tell myself because it's going to cause me to shut down altogether to church. But if I can tell myself a positive one, which is, you know what, generally, that situation was hurtful. They probably didn't realize that you were overwhelmed. And generally, you had a responsibility to communicate your limits. So next time, next time you volunteer in a church, You have a responsibility to know your boundaries and communicate your boundaries, and that will help. And so I can frame it differently, and then it becomes something I grow from rather than something that just harms me and shuts me down, okay? So the first step in healing is becoming self-aware, identifying what's the callus, what's the point of your pain, 
And what lies are you believing that's causing it to be so painful? And then once you identify those lies, replace it with the truth. Ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what's the truth? And ask him and write it down. And the reason you need to write it down is neuroscience has found that when you put pen to paper, it actually allows your brain to process in a way that is more objective so that you can actually choose more freely what you want to hold on to and what you want to break up with. And so it actually is a type of therapy that allows you to more easily let go of wrong thinking when you put pen to paper. So there's a little hack there. Okay, the second step, first one is being self-aware. Second one is stop the friction. For a callus to heal, it cannot stay in the same environment where it formed, right? It cannot, if you continue wearing the same shoes that have given you the callus, you're going to always have a callus there. Even if you remove the callus, it will grow back because the shoes are what is developing the callus. You have to stop wearing those shoes, right? Okay, same thing. If you're a guitarist and you develop calluses on your fingertips from playing guitar, well, if you put the guitar away for a year, your calluses will go away and you'll have to develop them again you'll have to through practice. So it's the same thing in your life. If you're in an environment where there is friction that you cannot control the other situation, but what you can control is if you participate. So there was a situation for me where I I quit a job recently and it's because the environment of the job was very toxic, very difficult. And I kept having to go to the Lord to deal with offense in my heart because I was being treated very disrespectfully. And the Lord finally spoke to me and said, generally, you cannot control how they respect you, honor the, the work that you do, or pay you, or whatever. You can't control any of that, but you can control whether you participate. And so instead of me having all this anguish from trying to change something I can't control, the Holy Spirit just empowered me. Hey, you can remove yourself from this situation. It's causing your heart to continually be in pain then you need to remove yourself. And so that is how you stop the friction. Whatever environment where you're receiving lots and lots of pain, if you cannot impact change, and that's one way to stop the friction is impact change. Maybe um, speak up and say, hey, this needs to stop. But if it's something you truly can't control, you need to remove yourself from it, okay? And so I want to point out though, and this is where the need for boundaries comes in. Oftentimes hurt or that friction actually comes from a lack of boundaries in our life, okay? Now, will other people always respect our boundaries? No, but we do have a responsibility to be aware enough of ourselves to say, hey, this is a line I need to draw um, and this is a boundary I need to have. So like at church, for example, there's never a shortage of anything to do. They will need you to volunteer for everything and anything if you're a willing vessel. Now, if you don't have boundaries... You will find yourself over-invested and starting to get burned out. And you'll begin to lose the joy for participating. So when we got involved in the church we're in now, I'm running two businesses. I have a family. I'm like, you know what? I don't have the time or capacity to do everything like I used to do in other churches. I used to feel like I had to be at everything. After all, I'm a pastor. Got to be there early, stay there late, la la la. Well, it burned me out. It very, very much burned me out and got me in a very bad place mentally and emotionally and physically. And so I learned, you know what, generally, you can't do everything. You have to honor your limits and trust your limits. And you have to draw firm boundaries when you need to. So I just made a decision. I'm going to volunteer in this capacity. That one brings me joy. It's something I have the ability to do at the measure that they need me. 
that's the one I can do. And then when people ask me to do other things, I, I listen on the inside. Like, does that raise a red flag for me? Do I feel like Ugh, when they ask? Because if, if you get that gut check, that's usually your guts telling you, hey, that's beyond my capacity. Um, if I don't get a gut check and I feel like, yeah, I think I have the capacity to do that, then I'll say, sure, I'll do that this week. But it can't be a regular thing because I don't have the ability to do that regularly. Um, and I just communicate what my boundaries are. If someone responds to your boundaries, this is important, so listen up. If someone responds to your boundaries with anger or judgment or rejection, they are not a healthy person to have as a regular part of your life. They, uh, Especially when they respond with anger, then their agenda in your life is control. If they respond with respect and honoring your boundaries, then their agenda towards you is a healthy one. Like, hey, yes, I want to honor you. I want to respect you. Then that's a healthy relationship. So you have to know what your limits are so you can draw boundaries. Align, the boundary is a line. And let this, you guys have heard me say this a thousand times. A boundary is a line I draw so I can safely love you and safely love me at the same time. Or another way to look at it is a boundary line is what I draw so this thing I'm going to do nourishes both me and you right? I'm not doing it out of resentment. I'm not doing it out of burnout. And so boundary lines are important. Now, a lot of times when people end up in burnout, unfortunately, it's not actually the fault of the church for asking and asking. Usually it's the fault of the person for not establishing their own boundaries. Because listen, let me tell you, you are the most powerful person in your life, period. You are. But if you don't feel like the most powerful person in your life, then you have a severe lack of boundaries and you have allowed other people to be the most powerful person in your life. That's not their job. That's not their place. You and the Holy Spirit are meant to be the most powerful person in your life. You are the one that has been given the instruction to have self-control and to demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit and all of that. And none of that can happen if you do not handle your life wisely and with intentionality. Jesus himself had boundaries. He would slip away from the disciples to go have time with the Holy Spirit. He oftentimes, he laid out the 10 commandments. Hey, these are some rules. Rules are boundaries. Rules are boundary lines. Hey, this is how you honor our relationship. Keep these boundaries. Hey, this is how you honor my people. Treat people with love. Hey, this is how you follow God. Have no other gods before him. That's a boundary. And so boundaries are God's idea because they allow you to remain a healthy human who can think with an abundance mindset, who can demonstrate the fruit of the spirit and have a healthy heart. Boundaries are essential to be a godly, healthy individual. Okay. So one primary way to stop the friction in whatever is causing your heart harm is establish healthy boundaries. So for my friend, for example, who's burned out from the church, I told her, hey, something you might do because church is God's idea. We need to get the word of God in us. So ask yourself, what level and what measure can I be involved that feels safe? And if that just means you show up on Sunday and participate in worship and then leave for a while until your heart feels safe there, then do that. If that means you just go in, you listen to the service, and then you leave, do that. And then over time, as your heart heals and feels safe in that environment, then you can expand your boundaries to invite more involvement. And then maybe hopefully one day, 
in her new church, she'll start volunteering again because volunteering is an important part of, of having a healthy life in an environment. We want to serve, but she needs to do her job to think to herself ahead of time, what measure am I able to be involved? And lead with that. Go to that leadership and say, hey, I would like to volunteer. I have the ability and the availability to serve on one Wednesday night a week or a month. That's all I'm available, but I would like to offer that. Then you know what? They should honor the, the loaves and fishes that you're bringing to the table. They should be able to honor that so that you can give from an abundant heart and a willing heart and never out of resentment. God loves a cheerful giver. He wants us to be able to serve from a cheerful place. And it's our job to protect our hearts with boundaries to know our limits so we can give from a cheerful place. That counts for all your other relationships. Wherever the the pain point might be, you need to be able to give into that relationship from a cheerful place. You cannot give cheerfully if you don't have boundaries to protect your ability to give cheerfully. Okay, so that's the second step. Stop the friction. The third step is sit with God. So the first one is be self-aware. Identify the hurts, what lies you're believing, and replace them with the truth. You need to make sure you're telling yourself a healthy narrative around your situation. Secondly, stop the friction, which means you have a need for boundaries, or you might need to remove yourself from an environment for a time with the goal of healing your heart. The third thing is sit with God. As I studied about calluses, and I thought to myself, how are calluses dealt with? When I go get a pedicure, They soak my feet in water before they scrub the callus off. You can scrub a callus dry. You totally can. Sometimes it hurts because if you have one of those like grady things, like it looks like a cheese grater and you can use it on your calluses. If it grabs a deep part of the callus and you can actually hurt yourself by doing it dry. And so soaking your foot with water or soaking the callus so it gets soft is part of how you can heal. And so the Lord reminded me, of the passage that talks about washing you with the water of the word. It's actually speaking to husbands who wash their wives with the water of the word. But the Lord reminded me that the word of God is symbolically, um, it's symbolized as water many times in scripture or in dreams or prophetic things or whatever. And so the word of God is a symbol symbolized with water. And so by getting the word of God in your heart on a consistent basis, just reading the word, reading Psalms, reading Proverbs, reading things that comfort and soothe your soul is also part of how you heal your heart and remove the callus. If you're not getting the word of God in, then your mind is subject to whatever you come up with and maybe even whatever lies the enemy might be whispering. If you're like me, I've noticed that if I go without the word of God getting in my heart, After a few days, I start to wrestle in my mind a lot more with either, I don't know, insecurity or fear or uh, whatever it might be. And so I realize when I'm wrestling with a lot of that stuff, I ask myself, have I had the word of God in my heart today? Because the word of God brings hope. It brings comfort. It brings life. It brings truth. It helps divide between the lies I might be believing and the truth that I should be believing. The word of God helps soften those calluses and it helps soften the impact of that friction. So sit with God. Get his word in your heart, however you can, that's nourishing. And I understand when you've had a calloused heart because you've been hurt 
getting the word of God in sometimes is difficult. Like sometimes you're like not in the mood for it. You don't want it. So find a way to get the word of God in that does soothe your heart. Maybe it's through worship. Maybe like like just playing worship music and letting it soothe your heart. Um, maybe it's through talking with Christian friends who are going to build you up with the word in a way that is encouraging. Um, maybe it's listening to some good podcasts that bring the word of God in a way that's really palatable. But nothing replaces the need for the word of God going in. However that should look, you need to get the word of God in. And so those are your three steps to healing. One, be self-aware, identify where the pain is coming from and any lies that you've begun to believe associated with that pain and replace it with the truth. Ask the Holy Spirit for the truth. Second is stop the friction. Possibly remove yourself from an environment if needed. Um, but otherwise, it's primarily a place for boundaries. Ask yourself, could this have been avoided if I had done a better job having boundaries? For me, most times the answer is yes. And I realize that's the part I play. That's what makes me, again, the most powerful person in my life because I can affect the boundaries I have. I can affect how I communicate them. I can change that, right? And so that puts the power back in your hands. That's a healthy thing, having boundaries. And the boundaries, establishing them, asking yourselves, what lines do I draw so I can safely love you and safely love me at the same time? Or so I can nourish you and nourish me at the same time. When you get involved in things, it should not just plain cost you all the time. Is there, is there times when we have to kind of give up our selfishness where I want to just go watch Netflix and then instead I show up at church early and serve on a Wednesday night? Yes, there's a time for sacrifice. But if you're living in the place where you're sacrificing all the time, always, and you're never nourishing your own soul, that, my friend, is unhealthy, okay? And the third step, sit with God. You soften calluses with water. Get the word of God, which is like the water to your soul, in your heart, in your ears, some way, in however you can. Worship is another way. His presence is like water to the soul. And David said that in Psalms. He said, I pant for you. I long for you like a deer longs for the water. So creating that hunger for his presence. And if you've been hurt by church, that can be hard at first. I understand. Go in small doses. God is very understanding. He's so tender with our hearts. He's not judgmental. He's not harsh. He's not abusive. He's tender and understanding. So you can even be honest with the Lord and say, God, I want to get the word in, but everything in my heart wants to reject all things Christian and church right now. Or God, I'm hurt by you. I literally feel hurt by you. I don't know if I can trust the word of God. I, I went through that. Whereas a lot of religious beliefs and wrongly appropriated scriptures that made me feel like I couldn't even trust the word of God. And so in that season, I still read passages that, that felt safe to me, that felt like, yes, that is true, that is comforting. I made sure I was still in church and I didn't force myself to chew and swallow what felt unsafe because I realized that maybe I'm hearing it wrong. You know, maybe I'm processing it wrong. So if it felt like it was creating a burden or, or hurting me, I just put it aside and I said, you know what, Lord, give me the word of God that's gonna heal me and comfort me. And then as your heart heals, you can look at those passages that maybe were felt harsh. You can look at them differently and they can hit differently. So the, the whole thing is your heart 
is a delicate vessel and you need to be delicate with it. But we also need to use the wisdom that we don't live in that survival place. When you've been hurt, don't live in that survival place. Your brain, your heart, your body are geared to protect you. But if you always live in a place of survival, going back to that passage, you won't live in the place of abundance you're meant to. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Your perspective needs to be one of abundance. And it's our job to do the inner work, the deep work to protect the condition of our hearts so that I can have an abundant mindset. Abundance comes from an awareness of the bigness of God, the generosity of God, the love of God. That is all the things that will heal your body and heal your soul and heal your mind. So an abundance mindset is in alignment with the awareness of God. A scarcity mindset is not in an awareness of the abundance and bigness and awesomeness of God, okay? So I hope this was helpful. Um, Self-aware, the first step, be self-aware. Stop the friction, sit with God. Those are your three S's that are the healing process after you've been hurt. I hope this was helpful. Send this to a friend. Listen to it a second time if you feel like you missed anything. Um, And make sure you grab, if you want to start a podcast, grab that free lead magnet down in the bottom or that free download that I have for you, seven steps to get your podcast started. Otherwise, come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen and drop me suggestions. If you guys have a podcast topic that you'd like me to dig into, um, send me a message. I would love to hear from you or even write if you listen in Spotify, you can leave me a voice message or you can answer questions um, that are attached to the podcast episode on the interact tab. And that's a super fun way to uh, connect with you. And so thanks for listening. Send this to a friend and I'll see you guys next week. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.